Thank you for tuning in with us at Bayou City Fellowship Tomball, a community that's radically focused on Jesus. It's relatively easy to feel overwhelmed with the trials and complications we face daily. Thank you, Jesus, for your living word, full of infinite wisdom and knowledge. Join us as we go through a sermon series in the book of Proverbs called Skillful Living. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Cole Ellerbrock. I am the uh, community groups director here, and it's really, really wonderful to get to be with y'all this morning. We are going to be continuing our series in the book of Proverbs, and my hope for us today is that uh, it would be a time of us really getting to glean from uh, the wisdom of the Lord that we see in the book of Proverbs. Um, but I know that we're going to need uh, his help uh, and his intervention in order to do that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we ask that during this time that you would open us up, open up our hearts uh, to your word. Would you speak to us? Would you open up uh, our ears to hear uh, your loving voice of grace to us this morning? Uh, would you open up our hands so that we might be a people that, that goes and serves the city and the world? God, would you speak to us in this time? And we pray just as the psalmist did, uh, not to us, not to us, O Lord, but to your name, give glory because of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. We trust you at this time. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I figured I would start this morning off by just putting my cards on the table and telling you a story that ends with me answering the question, what on earth was I thinking? Uh, before coming to Bayou City, I worked for many years in youth ministry. And youth ministry is very, very fun because uh, one of the things that you get to do is you get to play a lot of fun games with uh, the students. And one of the aspects of our weekly gathering at this particular youth ministry is that we would play these uh, minute-to-win-it type games. And our students at uh, this youth ministry particularly loved any game that involved food. Whether it was some kind of eating contest or watching their leader eat something gross, they just ate it all up. So I had the bright idea one week. Uh, something I found on the internet, which, you know, if you see anything on the internet, it's got to be true, right? Uh, what if you took a corn on the cob and you stuck it on the end of a power drill? Then you could turn that power drill on, the corn on the cob would spin really fast, and you could just kind of hold your mouth up to it and eat the corn on the cob in like five seconds, right? Sounds totally brilliant, right? What could go wrong? I know right now all of you guys are thinking, wow, our community groups director is such a trustworthy, great person. So it comes time for us to play this brilliant game, and we have two contestants who are coming up to participate, and one of whom is a senior in high school. It was, yeah, it was her senior year, and it was near the end of the semester. And so we start this game, and I'm holding up this corn on the cob attached to a power drill, and the game starts. I turn the drill on, cord starts spinning, she eats it, and game gets off to a great start until my power drill stops working. And it's no longer working because her hair is now completely tangled in the bit of the drill. 
And she is now wearing a power drill attached to her head. And so for the next 30 minutes, uh, 30 minutes might be an understatement, maybe close to an hour, uh, we are untangling her hair from this drill. And I'll never forget the image of seeing uh, just patches of hair lost from her head. Now, I felt horrible. This was really bad. But let's take things up a notch, uh, because she was a senior in high school. Like I said, it was at the end of the year. Uh, It also happened to be the Monday of her prom week. And so I got a phone call that night uh, from one very upset mother, and I will never forget hearing these words on the other end of the phone. Did you not think this through? What on earth were you thinking? Now, I uh, bring up that just completely ridiculous story today because I know that all of us, at some point in our lives, have, have done something that leads us to answer the question, what on earth was I thinking? Why did I not think this through? We've all had moments of naivety and foolishness, uh, things that we've done that we really wish that we could take back, right? Some of these decisions or actions have had minimal consequences, but some have caused some significant damage. At times, our foolishness or our naivety has led to a strain in a relationship, or perhaps it's caused you to miss out on a promotion at work. Maybe you think about the time that you really just blew up on your child over something really minute. Maybe what comes to mind are the things that you said or or didn't say to a loved one in a really critical moment of their life, or maybe a decision that you made where you chose to prioritize yourself or your career over your family. And oftentimes, uh, because of our naivety and our foolishness, we end up living a life with regrets, where we uh, sort of walk around dealing with the consequences of our actions and find ourselves just thinking, man, if I had only thought that through. Well, the good news for us this morning is, one, is that we serve an incredibly gracious God of of mercy and forgiveness, but also in the midst of our naivety, in the midst of our foolishness, he's given us the book of Proverbs. Uh, We've been looking at this book all summer, gleaning from its wisdom in sort of the different areas of our lives, and uh, what's great about the book of Proverbs is that it's sort of like God's owner's manual given to us. It's a book that as we read it, as we study it and apply it to our lives, it's meant to uh, guide us in a way that leads us to more and more flourishing and joy in a life of less and less uh, regrets. It lays out just endless amounts of, of wisdom so that we can navigate the real complexities of life well and in a godly manner. Uh, and the way that Proverbs is structured, it's, it's really much like that of a father who's giving advice to his son. It's a father who has this uh, wide array of experiences, who has lived a lot of life, and then he then takes the things that he knows about uh, godliness and the things he knows about the world that we live in and offers advice to, uh, to his son who's navigating the complexities of life. And so it's like this father, he's, he's learned from his mistakes, he's learned from his foolishness, he reflects on his victories, his triumphs, and then Uh, is hoping to guide his son, or or, uh, for us as the readers today, hoping to guide us into a life uh, of more flourishing and less uh, regrets. So if you want to be someone who uh, becomes more wise in all areas of their lives, uh, Proverbs is is really the book for you. 
And in the book of Proverbs, it's interesting, there's a few different significant characters that are discussed throughout the book. And we're gonna focus on three of those characters today. There's three that really get quite a bit of airtime in the book. The first one is the naive, the second one is the fool, and the third is the wise man. And as Proverbs is written, I think part of it, uh, part of the reason that uh, these characters are laid out for us in the book is so that, uh, one, we can potentially identify uh, with some of these characters so that um, we can see kind of the ways that uh, we are living or, or kind of matching up with certain characters. Um, but it also gives us an opportunity to sort of look in the mirror and say, am I living like a fool? Am I living like a naive person? Or am I living like someone with wisdom. So today, uh, we're doing a character study. Three characters, the naive, the fool, and the wise. And my hope with this, by by looking at these three characters, is that we can be uh, a people who don't just remain in perhaps our naivety or our spiritual foolishness, but that we can be people who grow up in Christ, who mature in Christ, who are people of wisdom. So the first person we're looking at today in Proverbs is the naive. This is Proverbs chapter one, verses 20 through 22. It says, wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. And at the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? The naive is often referred to as uh, the simple one in Proverbs. The simple or at other times called uh, the gullible. The naive person has just a complete lack of experience. It's someone who, is, uh, who can be completely influenced by others around them. They're sort of like a new puppy who has the ability to be trained up to be a wonderful dog for your family or the capacity to be trained up to be a weapon of destruction for your home. Uh, Proverbs 14, 15 says this. It says, the simple or the naive one believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. The naive is trustworthy of whoever they're speaking with, and as a result, can be very easily swayed. Uh, A way to think of someone who's simple in their thinking is just sort of like blowing in the wind. Little advice here, little advice there can sway this person. And that's what we're like when we're young right? When uh, you're a child, if you were someone who had an older brother, if you believed every single thing that your older brother told you, uh, you're probably going to end up with some bumps and bruises along the way, right? Now, someone who's naive or uh, the simple one, it's not someone who's necessarily evil by any means or has bad intentions, but that also doesn't mean that their actions aren't insignificant or that they aren't dangerous, You know, we're all naive at certain points in our lives, particularly when we are uh, moving into a new season of life. Uh, If you're married, you are naive at the beginning of your marriage because you really don't know sort of the ins and outs of your spouse yet. If you're starting a new job or maybe moving to a new city, you're naive because you don't know sort of the landscape of that company yet or the new neighborhood or new city that you've moved to. Uh, for those of us who enjoy uh, fitness and sports, as we, can, as we get older, we can be a bit naive about our athletic abilities, right? Uh, sometimes we get hit in the face by reality when we realize that 
we can't exactly do some of the same things we used to do when we were in high school. Uh, men, there's a reason why now after uh, that softball game or the day after the Thanksgiving family football game that you find yourself in an ice bath, right? Or going to get a massage. Because in this new season of life, we're naive to the fact that we're not exactly five-star high school athletes anymore. But when it comes to our relationship with God, naivety, it might be okay for a while. The innocence of being simple-minded may in some ways be uh, applauded for a season. But if we just remained naive and didn't graduate to wisdom or move upward to wisdom, it would be pretty sad, right? The Christian walk is one that is meant to press onward towards maturity. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 1. He says, he, that's Jesus, is the one that we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. You see, our relationship with God is not meant to just be a one-time decision where we place our faith in Christ for a moment and then just simply stay as we are maybe living the same lifestyle, struggling with the same things, living as if we're the same person. That's not the case at all. God wants far much more for you than simply that. Placing your faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus who stood in your place for the forgiveness of your sins so that you could be in a right standing with God, you are someone who, yes, is forgiven and free and made righteous. But that is just the beginning of this new eternal life, where we now get to experience the abundant life that God has laid out for us, where uh, we get to fall in love with God. And then as we walk with him, uh, he, through the power of the spirit, he changes us from the inside out. He turns our desires from uh, the things of this world to the things that he values. He turns uh, uh, our eyes from uh, seeing the world through the lens of a worldly culture and seeing the world through his eyes. We're meant to go through this process called sanctification where God works in us to make us look more and more like Jesus, to look more and more like the fully alive person that God has called each of us to be, that you were created to be. And man, how sad would it be if we chose to trust Christ for our salvation, but then never pressed on to maturity. So for all of us who in our own seasons, in our own ways can be simple-minded and gullible and naive, how about we trade that in for a life of wisdom? Proverbs chapter nine, verses one and three through six, it says, wisdom has built her house. She's hewn her seven pillars. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine I have mixed, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Wisdom here in this passage, it's personified as a woman who's calling out to those who are young, to those who are naive, and says, come, get wisdom. Do whatever you can to wise up. It's of immeasurable value. 
And we're going to talk a little bit more about this later. But the application here for the naive, it's pretty straightforward. It's get wisdom with all you got. Surround yourself with wise counsel. Glean from uh, the countless wisdom that the book of Proverbs has for you. The writer of Proverbs says wisdom, it's better than gold, it's better than silver, so you have got to seek it out. So that's the way of the naive. The next prominent character in the book of Proverbs is the fool. Now, when we look at the fool in Proverbs, it's meant to help us do two things. Uh, on, for, on one level, it's meant to help us identify a lifestyle that is uh, foolish, but it's also meant, again, to make us sort of look in the mirror because sometimes the fool can be hiding in plain sight. It can be the person that's staring back at you in the mirror. Proverbs 12 says this about the fool. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, <clears throat> but a wise man listens to advice. The way of the fool says, everything that I think is right is right. I don't need the advice of others. I don't need an authority over me to submit to because you know what? I already know everything. The fool can look at all the advice he's been given, all the research he's been shown, all the experiences he's been told of and say, nah, I'm gonna go my own way because I know more because he's right in his own eyes. He doesn't care about what others or what God may say is good and right and true because he already knows everything. One of the easiest just sort of everyday examples I can think of uh, for this uh, character uh, is texting and driving. Now, again, uh, part of studying the fool is so that we can look ourselves in the mirror. And uh, some of us, uh, myself included, can be very guilty of this. But how common is it to be driving behind someone and you see them sort of start to drift off into the other lane and then you eventually pass them and see them on their phone? Or how often do you see someone have to slam on the brakes because, you know, they just looked up from their phone and they're just, you know, mere feet from the car in front of them? Now, we know very well at this point that being on your phone and driving is bad. The information's overwhelming. Uh, we know the truth. We know the advice. We know the statistics. But it's still done all the time. Someone who is, is foolish, the fool doesn't care about the statistics or submission to authority or to any sort of advice because they know everything, right? Here's what Proverbs also says about the fool. It says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Has anyone ever met someone like this? Uh, maybe a coworker comes to mind or a relative uh, on Thanksgiving. See, the fool is far more caught up in talking than listening. They're ready to comment on anything and everything. Interruption is nothing to them. Why wait to hear the perspective of someone else when they could simply talk at you? Now, I'm sure as you've experienced, uh, this can get you into a pretty uh, hairy situation. Because when you're far more caught up in talking at someone than listening and understanding someone, you really run the risk of saying things that are hurtful uh, or damaging or that can break a relationship. <clears throat> Have you ever been at a dinner table with um, maybe another couple or another family where all the other person can do is just talk about how incredible their life is? Talk about, all, they just give you their whole list of achievements, how um, they're the best employee at work, their kids have straight A's and perfect conduct, and they're just the star of their own show, right? 
And they're way too busy talking about their greatness to even ask you a question. See, that is the way of the fool. Because on the flip side of this, the wise person is someone who's slow with their words and takes the time to listen and hear the perspective of someone else, to take a genuine interest in their life and demonstrate love to them. Now, here's the final thing about the fool, which is that the fool is dangerous, and you need to be pretty aware of the company that you keep when you're around a fool. Proverbs 17 says this, better to meet a bear who's robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on his folly. What's he saying here? Solomon is basically saying, if you're surrounding yourself with fools, if you're constantly in the presence of fools, you need to be afraid. It's better to be found with a mama bear who just lost her cubs than it is to be with a fool. That grizzly, she's doing whatever she can to get her cubs back, and if you're in her way, you are lunch, right? But it's better to be in that situation than to be around a group of fools. It's better than hanging out with that group of guys or girls who you know are going to influence you for the worst. It's better than hanging out with that group of guys who you know is going to make you struggle with that substance abuse again or make you make decisions that you know you're going to regret. So from the fool, we, we can see that that's a dangerous path to head down. So we should watch the company that we keep. So we've seen the naive, we've, we've seen the fool, and, and as we, you know, I, I know in, in some ways we can all sort of uh, see ourselves in those, character, in those characters at certain points of our lives, uh, but the good thing is, is that there's hope. Proverbs also gives us another character, another model to follow, which is the way of the wise. Proverbs 9, verses 9 through 10, it says, "'Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser.'" Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The wise person is someone who fears the Lord. Uh, This is a consistent theme, if not the sort of central theme of Proverbs. That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Uh, What exactly is the fear of the Lord? It can maybe be a bit of a confusing term. Uh, Well, fearing the Lord is something that it's discussed really throughout the whole Bible. Uh, There's certain moments in Scripture, uh, particularly what comes to mind is uh, Exodus chapter 19. There's this moment where uh, God does something that is just remarkably terrifying. Uh, In the story, he comes down to uh, meet Moses on Mount Sinai, and there the mountain It's filled with lightning and thunder and this thick cloud of smoke and Uh, There's fire, and it straight up knocked the people of Israel on their backs, put sheer terror in their eyes. Now, in Proverbs, it's it's slightly different uh, that what they're referring to. Same God that we're to fear, but fear hits a little bit more on this idea of awe, this emotional response of, of wonder and trust, reverence and awe. It's a respect for the Almighty. The thought of the Lord, it makes you tremble, but not as a means that makes you want to run away, but, but you tremble because you know that in his presence, he's all things that are good and right and true. You maybe think of a, a young child who, at the sight of their grown father, they, uh, there's, a, there's this reverence, there's this respect for the father, but there's also a comfort in knowing that he's good and powerful 
and strong. In the uh, Chronicles of Narnia books, it's this fictional series written by C.S. Lewis uh, that has quite a bit to teach us about the Lord and what it's like to walk with him. Uh, Well, if you've ever read those books, you know that there's this character named Aslan. And Aslan is a lion, and he is sort of the Christ figure of the story. He's the one that the characters look to as the king, and uh, he represents all the things that are good and just in this world uh, of Narnia. And it really is a work of genius that Aslan is a lion. And the books say that he's not just any lion, but he's like, he's a lion's lion. He is a huge lion, one that leaves you uh, in awe at the sight of him. He makes those who see him tremble. And you don't really want to see him when he roars or when he's angry. But knowing his power and his sheer size, it makes you respect him. His presence commands it. Now think for a minute, uh, what if C.S. Lewis would have chosen to depict the Aslan character as something like, say, a house cat or maybe a gerbil, right? Uh, It probably wouldn't have had the same effect, right? Because you see that lion and it's gonna stop you in your tracks. And to be someone who fears the Lord is to see our God for the fierce, almighty, all-powerful, all-wise God that he is, and to tremble before him. He's the king. He's the Lord. He's the one who runs this universe. We are in his world. And so the only appropriate response is awe, pure wonder, and respect. You may have heard this quote before, but There's this moment then in the Chronicles of Narnia where uh, there's this beaver who is a guide and he's explaining to the children who Aslan the lion is. And they ask this beaver, they say, is the lion safe? And he says, no, of course the lion's not safe, but he is good, he is good. And that's our God. Is he mighty and strong like a roaring lion? Absolutely. But is he all things that are good and right and true? Absolutely. And so the wise person fears him. One scholar on the book of Proverbs says this. He says, the fear of the Lord is that affectionate reverence by which then the child of God humbly bends himself and carefully to the Father's law. So if we're to be a people who fear the Lord, it means that we take him at his word. We approach him as the almighty that he is. So if you want to be wise, fearing the Lord is where it starts. But we also see that the wise person in Proverbs is teachable. Proverbs 13.10, it says, By insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. Proverbs 18, An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Those who are wise are teachable. They're more concerned with learning than they are with being right. They don't reject or ignore the advice of those who are more experienced, but rather they have a heart of humility that that really wants to grow. As that second proverb says, uh, the wise person, they give their ear to seeking knowledge. They have this heart that wants to acquire more and more knowledge. Deep down in their soul, this wise man, this wise woman is on a pursuit of wisdom. You see, in order to grow up or mature in Christ, 
we have to be people who are open to learning, right? We glean from the experiences of those who have gone before us. Uh, we oftentimes see this in movies. You have these uh, popular characters in great movies like uh, Luke Skywalker in Star Wars or Daniel LaRusso in Karate Kid, uh, Harry Potter in Harry Potter, uh, who they all learn to achieve greatness because they were sitting under the mentorship of someone who was wiser than they were. You have Yoda, you have Mr. Miyagi, you have Dumbledore. These are all-time great movie characters because they were able to guide someone to become a better version of themselves and to become really a hero of the story. And so being wise, it takes on this posture of being willing to sit under someone, to have a teachable heart. Um, uh, that, that's why things like premarital counseling are, are an excellent idea for engaged couples because you get to uh, set yourself up for success by sitting under those who have, uh, who have a lot of experience in their marriage that they can then impart to this young couple. So the wise person fears the Lord, they're teachable, and then lastly, the wise person, they watch the company that they keep. Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. The writer of Proverbs knows that you're going to become like the people you surround yourself with. I'm sure many of you guys preach this idea uh, to your kids because it's true for kids and it's also true for adults that you rub off on the people that you are with and the people that you spend your time with, they rub off on you as well. Many of us have seen this play out in, our, in your work environments, I'm sure, when you have coworkers who are constantly uh, criticizing or complaining or gossiping about other people in the office, you notice it then creates a culture of criticizing and complaining and gossiping. That rubs off on others. Uh, when I was in college, one of my summer jobs was as a waiter. And uh, for the most part, I enjoyed that job as, you know, fast-paced and fun. Uh, but one of the things about working there was that, uh, for the most part, all the other servers that I served with uh, would constantly be uh, complaining and, and gossiping and criticizing. Uh, they would be complaining about our manager often or complaining about guests and, you know, complaining about the guy who has to have his Dr. Pepper refilled 45 times. And the complaining, it was just, I mean, impossible to escape. So it was common to hear other servers, you know, uh, kind of be circled around together and just be like, oh my gosh, our manager is the worst. He doesn't know how to schedule. He's terrible. I just, no one should ever like this person. And then I would be caught in that and find myself nodding and be like, oh, yeah, totally. Like, I, I really uh, don't think he's great. He's a really bad guy. Even though we were on totally great terms. I thought he was a great manager. Because we become like the people that we surround ourselves with. When you're in work relationships where the only thing that matters is dollar signs and treating people well um, and in a loving manner or treating others' rights, caring for people, when those things are substituted for just making another dollar, that culture of greed, it can rub off on others. But as the proverb says, if you surround yourself with the wise, you will become wise. The wise man, the wise woman, they watch the company that they keep. They're humble enough to know that I can't achieve godliness on my own, but rather it's gonna take a village. I've gotta surround myself with people who are going to speak wisdom into me. Proverbs 15, 17 
It says, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. I've got to be honest, uh, that's the ESV translation of this verse, and I think it's a little confusing. I don't really know what it means. Uh, The NLT has a much better translation that I think is kind of more our speed. It says, a bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate, right? Now, full confession to show you my foolishness, when I first read that, I was like, I don't know, steak's pretty good, right? Like, how bad can the person be, you know? (laughs) But man, this proverb is so true. Putting yourself in an environment of love and grace and care, it far outweighs anything that a fool, a mocker, a criticizer could offer. So watch the company that you keep. We've seen the naive, the fool, and the wise. And I think the question for us this morning is, does anyone want to trade in a life of naivety and foolishness for a life of wisdom? Final application for the conclusion of our time. It's simply this, like we discussed earlier. Seek out wisdom with all you have. Wise up. Proverbs 3. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her, it's better than the gain from silver and wisdom's profit is better than gold. Wisdom, it's more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. In other words, the the writer is saying, do whatever you can to get wisdom. It's going to require being in the right relationships with people. It's going to take spending time daily in God's word and gleaning from his wisdom. It's going to take humbling yourself to be teachable. It's probably going to require some lifestyle changes. But man, the benefits far outweigh any sacrifice that it might take. For those of you who are younger and may identify more with the naive or the fool, I'd encourage you, seek out someone in this church who's farther along in their walk with Christ than you are. Ask them to coffee, ask them to lunch. When the service ends, we're all gonna be up chatting and talking with one another. Go up to someone you respect in this church and ask them to coffee, ask them to lunch. If you're someone who has been walking with Christ for a number of years, I gotta say, it's it's your role to impart wisdom to the next generation. The younger generation, we need a Yoda. They need a Mr. Miyagi. They need a Dumbledore. They need people to invest in their lives and help them navigate the complexities of life. We all know, you know, life, it's not just black and white decisions, but it's very complex and there's a lot of gray area. And those who are younger, they need someone who has walked through life So for you, ask someone who's younger than you out to coffee. If you want to gain wisdom, my last illustration for you is this, is is think about it in the same way that you would think about growing a garden. If you want that garden to flourish, it's going to take some intentional steps. It's going to take some intentional planning. You might have to set up that trellis so that the plant can grow upward. You're going to have to plan for the time to lay down mulch. You're going to have to care for the soil. You're going to have to water it a lot, especially in Texas in July. But if you want to gain wisdom, you've got to take some intentional planning and some intentional 
steps. It's going to take planning the night before. At the moment you wake up the next day, you're going to choose to spend that time in God's Word. It's going to take uh, signing up for a community group in a few weeks so that you can be invested in these multi-generational relationships. It's going to take having the courage to ask someone to mentor you or to disciple you. So establish a plan of wisdom. Seek it out with all that you have. And as you do so, uh, I want us to remember this. The fear of the Lord, it's the beginning of wisdom. It's the knowledge of the Holy One that brings us inside. It all starts with acknowledging who we are under God. Knowing that we are safe and secure and loved in the arms of the Almighty. That your King is mighty and strong and is a roaring lion, but also loves you very much. No matter how naive, no matter how foolish may have been. And that fierce, that strong love of God we know has been displayed to the fullest measure in Jesus Christ and his life, his death, and his resurrection. And that is the love that holds you. So worship and fear him alone. He's the only one who's worthy of our awe and our reverence and our worship. So now we're going to have a time to tremble before the Lord uh, together and to respond to him uh, in prayer. I'm going to welcome the band up. Our prayer team will be up here in just a moment. Uh, I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And then I want you to know that the, the band, they're, um, they're going to play just kind of some softer music for about 45 seconds, a minute or so. And that's just so that you can have time with the Lord. So that you can sit before uh, the King of Kings uh, and ask Him for for wisdom, perhaps. Ask Him for anything that you need. And then our our prayer team, they're going to be up here. And if you feel compelled, uh, this is a place for ministry and for prayer. And they would love to pray with you about anything that's going on life. So if you want to, please come forward and be with our prayer team. Let's pray. Lord, you are the only wise king. Just as we sung earlier, we tremble before you. We are in awe. chapter 3, Solomon, he's, he's about to become king, and he was uncertain of what the future would hold for him in this new big role. And God, in your word, it says that he prayed this, grant that your servant would have an understanding or a discerning mind. And God, we know that that prayer is like a, a sweet symphony to your ears we ask that same thing today. Would you grant us wisdom? Would you give us a discerning heart, a discerning mind, so that we might walk in your ways to 
live as people who fear you and who live open-handed in complete surrender to our almighty King. The band is going to play softly for a bit and use this time to be in prayer. Come see our prayer team. Let's respond to them. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that you feel encouraged. To stay up to date with our current sermon series, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you would like to find more ways to get involved with the Bayou City family, visit us online at bayoucityfellowship.com or download the Bayou City Fellowship Tomball app to find community in the body of Christ.